baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome back. I have many contacts that I am in touch with, um, conversations I am having every day after I get off the air with the conflict that is going on uh, between Israel and Hamas. And it consumes me. It does. And it's been a very challenging three weeks. Uh, Now it's morphed into anti-Semitism, you know, college protests on college campuses where our kids are not feeling safe, and we have lots of problems understanding terrorism here in this country and in other countries. And, and just this morning, I was listening to an update from Joe Lindsley. You guys remember Joe. He is our reporter on the ground in Ukraine. He's been there since the beginning of the pandemic. And he said on his podcast, he said, Ukraine is the only country that does not have pro-Hamas rallies. And he explained, and I will have him on to talk about this, he explained because moral clarity, I hear you, Charlie, no problem. Thank you. I, it, mo- he said, in Ukraine, there is moral clarity between good and evil. There is moral clarity between terrorists and regular people trying to defend themselves. And it was an interesting distinction. And I was glad he said it out loud. Uh, my next guest is currently in Israel. He is on the ground. His name is Itai Tannenbaum. Itai is an historian. He's got a podcast discussing current events in Israel called Inside Israel. Itai also owns and runs a boutique tour company in Israel. And he's joining us now on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Itai, thank you so much for the time today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Now, you spent time in Minnesota. Is that correct? Can you just briefly tell people why you were here? I was in Minnesota um, as an emissary that mainly educated about Israel and also advocated for Israel. Um, I have a tour business, as you mentioned, and I was in Minnesota during the time that years ago there were suicide bombers all over Israel. The tour business went out of business for a couple of years, and I was offered to be the emissary in Minnesota, and I, and I was there. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Excellent. Um, I want you to share with us, where are you now? Are you safe? And what is your everyday life like now? So first of all, yes, we feel safe. We're in the center of Israel, near Tel Aviv. And even though there are sirens a couple times a day that mark the incoming missiles into Israel, um, we're really not that afraid. Some of us are, most of us are not, I think. The reason is because we have this Iron Dome, which is a combined American-Israeli invention that shoots down the missiles, 90% are shot down, and also we have safe rooms and so on. So right now on the road, and when we're at home or at work, we actually, as soon as we hear the siren, we run towards our safe room, not run, actually walk, we have a, we have a minute and a half in Tel Aviv to get to the safe room or to the shelter. 
on the road, we just stop on the side of the road, find some place to lie down, and we just lie down. In terms of life in Israel, it's getting back to normal. The first two weeks were roads were empty, people did not go to work, etc. Now the roads are back, there's traffic jams again, people are going back to work, kids are going back to school, um, even though they have to go back to school. Of course, not in the very south, not in the very north on the Lebanese border, but kids are going back to school on alternative days because the only schools they can go to are schools that have shelters. Um, mm. I'll tell you on a personal note, my daughter is in the intelligence in the Israeli Defense Forces. My significant other's son is actually fighting in the Gaza as we speak. And are we stressed? Yes, we are. Are we sleeping at night? Not very well. But we also understand that we have no choice. Do you have so any communication with your, uh, your, your, your significant other's son who's fighting in Gaza? Can you speak to him? That's a very good question, and the answer is no. Um, we even know that there were some injured from Italian. He's fine because we got a message that, you know, we got a message that the rest are fine. Those that were injured, their parents already know about it. Um, we do not, we cannot speak. Their phones are not with them. The reason is because for security issues, they don't want, you know, anyone hacking their phones, knowing where they are and so on. So the answer is no, and that's why it's so stressful. Wow. I, I can only, only imagine how stressful that is for you. Um, can you give us an update? Is there any news on the hostages? We know the IDF went in and they managed to rescue one uh, soldier who was a hostage. Do we know how that happened? And are any more of those, I, I know you can't give me a lot of information, but are the families of hostages being notified or, or spoken to? Um, it's a really good question. So first of all, let's let's understand the context. There are 242 hostages as we speak. Um, the number keeps going up a little bit by one on every day because they're recognizing more and more hostages that we did not know about. But understand, many of the hostages are not Israelis. There are 54 hostages that are from Thailand. They're agricultural workers. They came to Israel only to work. And there's 54 of them out of the 242 are actually under Hamas custody. There's one from China, one from Sri Lanka, two from Tanzania, two from the Philippines. And I think what's most interesting is six, six of them are Russians. They could be Russian, dual citizenship Russian and Israeli. Um, what's fascinating is there's talking about Hamas has said that in the next few days, they're going to release some of the, some of the hostages. Um, I'm willing to bet it'll be the Russians because Putin has uh, good relations with the Hamas. He actually backs them. And the, there was a Hamas contingency that went to visit in Moscow. And Putin is becoming extremely, extremely anti-Israel. Only because the United States is an ally of Israel, by the way, or not only, but that's one, the main reason. In terms of uh, in terms of the rest of them, you know, the hostages are being kept. Uh, you know, they, they, the reason they were able to um, to only um, uh, rescue one hostage is because she was kept on her own, and they got the intelligence information on where she was. They broke in, they got her. Um, they're spread out, and you can be sure that they're all in tunnels, and it's very, very good, difficult to get to. On that point. Um, the head of the Israeli Mossad, the Mossad is like, you know, the American CIA. The head of the Israeli Mossad has been in Qatar. Um, so have the Iranians. So has, so has a, 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 a contingent from the Biden administration um, and others. And the reason is because, A, Qatar is the main backer of Hamas. Um, if anyone is able to broker a deal, it will probably be Qatar. But Qatar plays a very, very dirty game, uh, which they play chess with everybody. On the one hand, they're America's ally. On the other hand, they're Muslim Brotherhood, which is what ISIS and Al-Qaeda and Hamas and all the rest of them are. 
So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, right now, um, uh, Hamas is very desperate, at least they say they are, to get gasoline into the Gaza Strip. Do you know why that is? Gasoline they need, basically the Hamas, for ventilation in their tunnels and also for their firepower. In other words, missiles and so on. They have gasoline. Every day they're sending gasoline. is running out to the hospitals. It's humanitarian aid. Give us gasoline. Nonsense. They have it. There was a... There was a, a intercepted Hamas operatives just today that was made public of them talking about how they're taking the gasoline away from the hospitals. Um, mm. So they're pressuring Israel in that way. And if there's ever a deal brokered, if not ever, but when there is a deal brokered, it could have to do with the fact that Israel may concede. This is just a talk. I don't know. The talk mm. is that Israel may concede on the gasoline if they're willing to release hostages. We'll see what happens with that, though. Mm. Um, I want to talk more about that humanitarian aid. I understand when, when you've explained it, thank you, why gasoline is a very dicey thing to be sending into the Gaza Strip. We now know today that hundreds of injured Palestinians as well as dual citizens of other countries uh, have been released through the, the Rafah crossing uh, into Egypt. What other aid is being allowed in? Are we talking food, water, and also will more people be allowed to come out? Okay, that's a great question. And so let me answer that in a couple different ways. First of all, know this. The reason that there are foreign uh, uh, passport holders that are being released from the Gaza is only because Israel has invaded and opened up a corridor. That's it. The last three weeks, the Hamas would not let anybody out. As a matter of fact, they barricaded, they put landmines on the roads and everything to not let anybody out. Israel's opened up a corridor after encircling Gaza, and now is allowing the foreign passport holders and anybody, because Israel keeps encouraging any civilian to go south, south mm-hmm. of Gaza, that is. So that's the reason, one. Two, yes, because of that, there'll be more and more. Those who want to go south, they're allowed to go south, right? Not only are they allowed to, they're, they're, they're encouraged to go south yes. because the fighting is in the north. Now, understand something. There are reports from Israeli soldiers, for instance, the Givati Brigade, the one that suffered the most casualties in the last couple nights, that at one point, as they were taking over Hamas stronghold, the Hamas sent out a hundred women and children running towards them because the Hamas, one, wants dead kids and dead women so that they could show the world how terrible Israel, and two, they know that Israel's not going to shoot them. And it, mm-hmm. they, they're hoping that Israel would, but they know Israel's not going to. And so that, by the way, having been a soldier myself, having been in the Gaza myself many times, I will tell you, as reserve soldier, I will tell you that what we usually do is shoot over their heads, they get scared, they run away, and that's the way we solve that. So, yes, that is all happening. Um, Humanitarian aid, you wanted to know? So, look, Mm -hmm. it's in Israel's interest for water and food, and medicine, of course, to go into the Gaza, into the southern Gaza. We first let let in eight eight trucks, and then it was ten trucks full of it. Now it's 100 trucks a day. And that is because it's in our interest because... Of two reasons. One, we are a moral people. I know people have bad mouthed us. We're very moral people. Um, you know what? What stands in my mind is there's a picture that's all over the internet now of an Israeli hospital where there's a young woman being uh, re- rolled into on her bed, being rolled into the operation room after she got two bullets in her back. She was shot twice at the music festival. She went into the second operation. Next to her, a bed rolling the other way, there's a man handcuffed to the bed. It's a Hamas terrorist that's being treated in the Israeli hospital, right? That's who we are. Um, and, uh, and, so, and so food, water, and, and medicine is in, in our interest so that, because we are humane. 
The second interest of ours, which is totally a self-interest of ours, is if we let that medicine in and the food and the water, which we are, that allows us to keep fighting because the world will say, you know, okay, we understand that you're giving humanitarian aid. We're going to allow you to continue fighting. And when I say the world, to be honest with you, we really don't care what the world says. The world's been against us many a times. Just check out the United Nations combination against Israel. We care about what the United States says, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And, so, uh, and so we need to convince President Biden and his administration that we are aware of the humanitarian aid needed and that we are sending that aid. Ita, thank you for this education. And we have about a, a minute left. I'm sorry. I, I, we will call you again, I promise. Um, what else do we as Americans need to know maybe that we're not hearing or, or that we're not seeing through social channels? What do we need to know? Um, you know, that's a really good question. Um, uh, um, look, I think the Israelis uh, are, are just, uh, I don't know how to say this, they are in shock, not only about the murder of Hamas, those monsters who murdered and decapitated our babies, but also about the reaction of demonstrations all over the world. Yeah. Now, what's interesting, these are not spontaneous. These are organized mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, um, demonstrations. And what's mm-hmm. most fascinating is these demonstrations are not calling only for the eradication of Israel. They're calling for the death of the Jews, in plural, right? So mm-hmm. Israelis are shocked by that. We thought we were in a different place. I think Americans are also shocked by that. I think the Brits and the the Germans and so on. Having said that, polls in England and France that we look at say that 65% of England, of the the British, and 65% of the French actually support Israel. Um, But those demonstrators are out there. And incidentally, in France, they're calling death to Israel, death to France. These are the same people that volunteered for ISIS when ISIS was strong in the Middle East. So for Israelis looking outside of Israel, it is shocking. It's disturbing. We are very strong. And Israelis and Jews in general are very resilient. We haven't survived for thousands of years for nothing. We're very resilient. Mm -hmm. And so we know we're going to prevail. And that's the main Israeli consensus now. I will tell you one other thing that you should know, and that is that we've had a lot of division in Israel over our democracy, to be honest with you. You probably know this. In the last months, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, whether you're a liberal or you're conservative, or you're religious, or you're secular, um, it doesn't matter. Israelis have come together. They're fighting shoulder to shoulder together. And that divisiveness is over, literally over. And that's the, new, that's the other thing you should know about what's going on in Israeli society. Itai Tannenbaum, historian, has a podcast. Please follow his podcast. It's called Inside Israel. He is also the uh, owner and um, proprietor of a tour company. We hope to take one of your tours when things come down. Itai, we will call you again, but thank you so much for joining us and explaining everything this morning. My pleasure, and I wish this world peace. Oh, me too, sweetheart. And stay safe, please. We're praying for all of you. Thank you, Itai. Ooh. Yes, we will take a minute and, um, yeah, let's download on that next. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.